Newsbreak Talk is up next. In our society at the moment, there's such a well-orchestrated campaign about who is captured by whom, when the facts are fairly clear. ANC MP Praveen Gordhan joins Newsbreak Talk to clear some facts about the South African political space. Join us for this exclusive broadcast on Saturday at 1 o'clock when the Kyrgyzstan Civic Association celebrates 50 years of civic service. Give your views a voice at the Kyrgyzstan Community Centre. Newsbreak exclusive. Good afternoon and welcome to the special edition of Newsbreak Talk. We're broadcasting live from the Kyrgyzstan Civic Association here in Chatsworth, south of Durban. Now this organization, which has served the interests of the citizens here, celebrates 50 glorious years. Ladies and gentlemen, I think that deserves a round of applause. Now, this organization has prided itself on providing a platform for local ideas to meet and flourish, all in the interest of sustainable community development. Well, around me, you can see how the community is thriving here. There's so much of activity here today. Let's cross to Hafsam Kize, who's going to tell us why the Kyrgyzstan Civic Association's 50th anniversary celebrations is a consolidated community effort. Well, a very good afternoon, Teresh. It's absolutely amazing out here today. The sun is shining. Durban weather never disappoints, as always. Now, Teresh, I tell you what, members of the community have come out in their numbers today because, you know, Karastan Civic Association is celebrating its 50th anniversary. That's a milestone right there. You know, there are lots of prizes to be won. A number of stalls here. You know, there's plays. There's a play area for the little ones as well. Wow. In this live entertainment, I just witnessed an amazing, absolutely amazing, Amazing entertainment set from Erica Primary School learners and they just brought the crowd back into the tent with their independent woman's song and dance performance. Now with me, I have member of the Civic Association and coordinator of this wonderful event, Sam Play. Now, can you tell us about the significance of this event? Well, thank you very much for this opportunity and we are so excited to be here and we're so excited you are here as well. It is a milestone event for Karwastan. Uh, 50 years is a long time. And uh, we are so proud to be celebrating this event with the community of Karwastan and to showcase the talent of Karwastan. That what you mentioned earlier on about the uh, plays and so on. That was a plan. That was an idea about showing Karwastan talent to Karwastan community mm. and we have our local schools we had a quiz this morning and they had song dance play sketches to showcase their talent and and it really makes us proud that we have such great talent and i'm sure other communities have that too and we'd like other communities to do that give that our kids the opportunity to do that as well showcase their talent and we really had fun and i'm sure you saw the the inflatables the face painting the clowns and a whole lot of activities blood pressure checking and sugar testing and and all of the hiv aids testing we, with our networking partners so we well connected as well that will show you mm. that uh, we're taking care of our community as well in the process so we're very excited about being here and celebrating this milestone event the other thing is we, we later at three o'clock we have the main event where we're going to showcase our even our senior citizens mm -hmm. our women's group 
we have a group for everything in our area, by the way, uh, to take care of ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, yeah, we're very excited to be celebrating this milestone event. And you know, more important than all of that, we have Pravin Gordon as our keynote speaker. Yes. And I'm we're so sure excited we're about that because we know Pravin Gordon as a friend, as a, a apartheid activist, anti-apartheid activist, and is still an activist even today. And, and that's what we feel so proud about, that the fact that he can be here celebrating this milestone event with us as, uh, as a friend, as a, even a post-apartheid activist, which we need so badly today, you know, with the current state of affairs in our country. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, talking about the wellness stores, you know, there's a number of, of stores that are here. They've, they're doing sugar testing, BP testing, counseling clients, and pressure as well. So if you are in the neighborhood and want to be informed as well as have a great family outing for free, this is definitely the place to be. It's over to you, Thiresh. In our society at the moment, there's such a well-orchestrated campaign about who is captured by whom, when the facts are fairly clear. ANC MP Praveen Gordhan joins Newsbreak Talk to clear some facts about the South African political space. Join us for this exclusive broadcast on Saturday at 1 o'clock when the Kyrgyzstan Civic Association celebrates 50 years of civic service. Give your views a voice at the Kyrgyzstan Community Center. Newsbreak exclusive. Having served as the country's finance minister for about six years, Pravin Gordhan has earned the respect of global and local economic experts, is considered a political icon by civil society, and if you watch the funeral service of Ahmed Katrada, I'm sure you'll proudly recall that standing ovation he got for the manner in which he has carried the legacy of the liberation movement in South Africa. Friends, please join me in a round of applause for ANC MP Pravin Gordhan. It's an absolute honor to have you sitting alongside me, Mr. Gordon. Thanks for your time. Uh, thank you for having me, and it's a great privilege to be here on such an important occasion as the 50th anniversary of uh, a civic organization that has been very much the apartheid struggle and uh, in this community's life for so many years. You know, one can go as far as saying that the anti-apartheid movement was a civic movement because it was society understanding the injustices of the system rallying together to make a change. You know, how um, you know, relevant is an organization like this when you take that into account? No, very relevant. Uh, you know, democracy is, is not something that's owned by political figures, political office bearers, or if you like, politicians. Democracy is supposed to be a system that relies on the citizens of a country uh, to actually work because it's supposed to be for the people, by the people, and on behalf of the people. I forget the third one. <laughs> uh, but uh, if people themselves only come out to vote once in five years and the number of people who vote keeps dropping as it does in many mature democracies across the world, then we are leaving democracy to those who are powerful, those who have money, those who are able to rally these resources in order to gain access to firstly political power, but secondly also get access to state power. Mm. Then use the state power, that is the machinery of democracy, the machinery of government, to benefit a few rather than benefit many. Now we might think this is a uniquely South African problem, but this is a worldwide problem mm. today, mm. where most people in a society feel fairly alienated from banking elites, uh, business elites, political elites, and those who often tend to serve themselves mm. 
rather than be true uh, public servants in the proper sense of the word. And one may say that in itself is an amplifier of the voice because that is when societies, you know, are expected to stand up and speak out against it. Within a contemporary South African context, are you confident that South Africans have been, um, you know, effectively vocalizing their discontent with various situations that they may find wrong in the country? No, I think from time to time uh, we are, are able to give expression to something which is a very proud legacy of South Africans. Most people here who are older than, what, 35, 40 years old would have contributed to the anti-apartheid struggle, would have distributed pamphlets which say don't vote for the tricameral parliament, who would have said we reject the apartheid system, who would have come to meetings, uh, this hall is a new one, but in one of the venues around here, to say we support the Freedom Charter, which starts by saying that South Africa belongs to all who live in it, black and white, and that the people shall govern, and who took a strong stand together with African colored and democratic white people uh, against the system of apartheid, both in an economic sense, but also in a political and racial sense, and uh, promoted the idea of non-racialism. 23 years after democracy, We've got to keep asking ourselves the question and passing on this legacy to younger people as to how do you continue to strengthen institutions mm. of democracy? How do you teach young people what is democracy? How should it work? How do you promote non-racialism when you are still living in an Indian group area mm. and still fairly isolated from other groups uh, in, in society as well? How do you treat women differently 23 years into democracy? Because Non-sexism is an important principle in our constitution as well. So many of these things take many, many decades, as you can see throughout the world. Uh, but we've done remarkable things in, as a country in South Africa under the leadership of the ANC in a very short period of time. Yes, we're going through a fairly troubled period at the moment where there's a contest going on about which direction do we want to go. Mm. Do we want to serve the few or do we want to serve the many? Yeah. Are the resources of the country for bank accounts in Dubai or are they for money to be spent amongst the people of South Africa? Yeah, yeah. and I think, I think um, Mr. Gordon, you've been very instrumental in that particular conversation that you know, the, the country is having. And I recall speaking to uh, ANC Che and Kozul and Natal, Mr. Sishri Tikalala, uh, recently, and he cited that there is a confirmation that there's a breakdown in the relationship between Comrade Praveen and <coughs> President Jacob Zuma. Your thoughts on that? Has it ever been communicated to you that that relationship was on rocky ground? Uh, well, Mr. Zikarlala, with great respect to him, is still a young man. I met uh, together with uh, many of the people who lived in Karwastan, like Roy Padiachi and others. Uh, Mr. Zuma in 1974, when the first batch of people came out of Robben Island, and there were about 10 or 15 of them at the time, together with Sunny Singh and many others that we would all, the older people here would, would actually remember. And uh, on subsequent occasions, we've worked in the underground of the African National Congress as well. As far as I'm concerned, I don't think we must use the words breakdown in relationship as an excuse or as an illegitimate reason for dismissing people like Mr. Jonas and myself. Speak the truth. Mm, what is the, the truth? The, the truth is we were in the way. A way of what? We were, we were that particular week when we were called back from London. We were there landing at 6 o'clock in the morning on the tarmac of Heathrow Airport. I put the phone on and says, come back mm. now. Well, I mean, the flight's only in the evening, so you can only come back in the evening. 
So we did our work, meeting ratings agencies, meeting investors, reassuring them. Four days later, we were out of a job. So ultimately, uh, but, you but, say... Wait, 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 yes. one minute, one minute. So you, you ask what? What is the real reason? That following week was when the court cases were going to come before the Pretoria High Court in respect of the Oak Bay bank accounts and whether the banker entitled to say to any one of us, I don't want to have any dealings with you from next month. That's their right at the end of the day. People like us were being forced to intervene and say to the banks, uh, no, you must keep these accounts, you must keep these guys as your customers at the, at the end of the day. And I had legal opinions which said, even as Minister of Finance, I can't instruct a bank to accept any one of you as a client. It's, up, it's a relationship between you and the bank that determines whether they want you as a client or not at the end of the day. So those are amongst the reasons, I believe, that uh, we, we lost our jobs. Mr. Jonas, as you know, uh, refused a bribe of 600 million rands to take the job of Minister of Finance. Now, there are not many people around here who would refuse 600 million rands. You know, that's the easiest thing to do. Take the bag of 600 million rands, open an account somewhere like everybody else does, and uh, have, have fun mm. uh, with, with that money. But here was a man of principle who said, no, I don't want nothing to do with this. Mm. You know, and then you have all these funny things. No, I never met Mr. Jonas. No, he didn't come to Saxon World. Yeah. But, the truth, so, 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 the, but the truth is coming out. The emails are coming out. Everybody is beginning to know what is happening. The only question is, is it the people who are exposing and opposing corruption that are going to be threatened and intimidated and uh, pursued by law enforcement agencies? Or is it the corrupt who are, who are taking your tax money every day and abusing it for the wrong purposes hmm. that are going to be pursued and dealt with in the way they should be dealt with, in a, in a, in a proper democracy? Mm. It's, it, it seems like it's ongoing. I mean, you know, uh, Deputy Minister Jonas explained that he was often that post. So the question then becomes when wanting to raise the, uh, the inner workings of a system like this, why not could you or even Deputy Minister Jonas have spoken out earlier? Earlier about what? When, when, when we have the need to speak out, we've spoken out. I've spoken out for 45 years as an activist. Those of us that have worked together over that period, we, we stood before City Hall, we stood before people who had R1 rifles, we participated in the underground of the ANC and the, and the Communist Party, we've uh, had people like the people that are here today and thousands more marching down West Street to City Hall. We've spoken up. It's not like we got up yesterday. I mm. think it's the cynics who will use that kind of argument. Mm. And uh, there are many ways of speaking up. Right. Because the cynics often suggest that this, that this term state capture only became a buzzword toward the end of last year. Why not sooner? It, be it became a, a buzzword because what happens over a period of time, it's like an illness that any one of us has. Ask the doctors that are here. So you, you might one day realize you're feeling giddy. And you say, now let me leave it. But the giddiness is then accompanied by your heart beating very fast. And you say, okay, this one sounds a little bit more serious, but I'll see the doctor next month. And you carry on. In other words, you pick up symptoms over time. Each symptom in its own right doesn't amount to a crisis. When you put all those symptoms together, as the academics did, Professor Swelling and company, in producing this report on the silent coup, then you begin to see a picture. And the picture they are putting together is, and that's where these uh, words became very famous, if some of you will recall, connect the dots. Because you lo often look at the dots individually.
When you connect the dots, you get a picture. And the picture is how does state capture work? So the work that the academics have done covers a period of six or seven years. And what we saw as incremental dots have now begun to come together into a picture. And a picture which says that uh, you have what they call, the academics have called repurposing an organization. Mm. Meaning Transnet's job is to actually deliver uh, rail and logistical services and invest in infrastructure and make sure that those services enable us to export, for example, coal or other minerals uh, or goods uh, through our ports and through the rail system that they actually control. But Transnet seems to have got itself involved in getting locomotives that might well have been made in a, here in South Africa and created jobs in South Africa, firstly. But secondly, you have a wonderful deal, which I'm sure all of us would like. For every 50 million rand locomotive, take a, take a commission of 8 to 10 million rands home. For doing what? Nothing. Mm. Okay? And that puts together a 2.4, two, whatever it is, billion yeah. rands. Yeah. So what are we as the public uh, actually saying? We're saying, be aware that there is this pattern. Uh, it takes sometimes to, uh, a bit of time to understand what this pattern means. But today, the academics and others have provided us with a method by, uh, by which we can analyze what is going on, how you will be appointed as chair of a particular board and others will be fired. It's on yeah, record. For some, yes. It's, it's, it's on record. And once you become the chair, you attack the CEO and find some fault with him or her. Then you go for the CFO. Then you put your own people there. And then you start making sure that the extraction process uh, starts operating. And we've lost billions of runs as a result of that. And I think that the, the issue then becomes for those who are aware of this academic structure, the way, aware of the data, aware of the numbers that is being squandered and that is going down the drain. I mean, you, know, you started to be about 250 billion rand. Um, those people who want to speak out who are, or who are onto the system or want to take principled approach to the system, are they simply removed? Well, you can see the evidence. In every ins key institution of government, the, uh, the most recent one is this KPMG report that's come out here, a report stroke statement by an anonymous KPMG person because there's no name there. So it's KPMG International. Do you feel it exonerates you, that report, or the fact that they've revoked it? Exonerates me. I was never guilty of anything to be exonerated in the first mm. place. But surely it tarnished your name by suggesting you are part of that unit. Yeah, no, no, that's a half-hearted uh, so-called regret. They've got to go a long, long way mm. to own up to what actually happened between their senior forensic investigators and the SARS management from 2015 onwards. We'll talk about that in the next 10 days. There's a lot more to come out which will show that the current KPMG report is still a cover-up. So it's far less than adequate. So to come back to your earlier point, Yes, part of this contestation that we are seeing, which reflects itself in various structures, both in government and outside of government as well, is, like I said, right at the beginning. What is taxpayers' money in South Africa, which is about 1.2 trillion rands, going to be used for? Is it for the benefit of 55 million people or a small clique which has selective bank accounts in certain places and uses it for their own private purposes? If we can just get that stuck in our heads for the next couple of months and ask the people who come here as apologists for basically stealing public money. They're apologists for stealing public money and finding all sorts of fake reasons to cover up. And amongst those is the fake Twitter accounts, Bell Pottinger from London, 
I mean, how come a big organization like Bell Pottinger suddenly collapses? It collapses because all its clothes have been taken off and it's been exposed for the kind of mischief that it engaged in and the damage that it has done to our country. This is our country. Why mm. the hell do we allow people from London or anywhere else to come around to South Africa? And that includes KPMG International, mm. right? To come and mess around with our democracy, take our money and cover up for people who are actually stealing our money. Absolutely. So what is to be done about that as the situation has been pointed out by Minister Gordon? Well, you are listening to News Break Talk, our exclusive conversation with uh, former Finance Minister Praveen Gordhan. We would love to also give you the opportunity to be part of the conversation. Anything you'd like to raise, any points you'd like to add, your thoughts on the idea that the state is captured and those who are trying to speak out in order to save the state are being removed from doing this particular job. You can give us uh, your comments. We're eagerly awaiting to hear what you've got to say. It's Newsbreak Talk with me, Taresh. 41 days to go. To the 100th birthday of the late Reginald Oliver Tambo. Celebrate the life and legacy of O.R. Tambo. Hashtag O.R. Tambo 100. O.R. loathed racism. But the one thing with O.R. is that he loved the people. His greatest love was the people of South Africa. He placed the people before him. Everything else came before him. And that is why he could choose Nelson Mandela as the face of the struggle and not himself. Inspired by the struggle heroes of our past. Lotus FM. Globally, one in 408 children will be diagnosed with cancer before they turn 15. It's Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Let's talk about how to cope with this disease. Give your views a voice on Newsbreak Talk this Sunday at 1 o'clock. Newsbreak, Lotus FM. Wake up, choose, choose your path, choose your life. Live a little, live a lot, live your way. Learn to think, learn to do. Do what you want, build what you want. Build relationships, build a future. Get going, get a degree, get a job, get a life. Durban University of Technology. Apply today through the Central Applications Office at cao.ac.za. Visit dut.ac.za to find out more. The views and opinions expressed on Newsbreak Talk do not represent those of SABC News or Lotus FM. It's about half past one here on Newsbreak Talk with me, Tadej Hari Prashad. We're going in conversation with former Finance Minister, <laughs> ANC MP Praveen Gordhan. Important issues and, and this notion of state capture. What we've done so far is understand the nature of it well briefly and the implications it has for many of those within government who feel that this is not the correct way for the state to function. But it's time now to go to the audience members here at the Garvistan Civic um, Hall where you get to have your conversation with ANC MP Praveen Gordhan. And let's go to our first audience member. If you could just introduce yourself and your name and then go ahead with your question. Good afternoon, Pops Rampasa from the Active Citizens Movement. Mm -hmm. Good afternoon, Mr. Gordon. Um, you already said KPMG's action is inadequate, and I agree with you. Recently, we heard that Mr. Iraj Abedin, an economist, resigned as a non-executive director from the board of a company because uh, they continue to have KPMG as an audit uh, company. I want to appeal, it's not a question, but I want to appeal to South Africans and listeners that they need to check with the service providers who's doing the audit 
And if KPMG is doing their audit, we need to put those companies, service providers on notice that unless action is taken against KPMG, we will close our accounts with those service providers. So that's my appeal to the public of South Africa. Thanks so much for that. Remember, you can also put, raise your hand and, and ask a question. We'll definitely be bringing our facility to you so that you could give your views a voice. Hi there, sir, your name. Hello, it's Umar Singh, Karostan Civic Association. Mr. Gordon, um, I just want to focus my question on accountability. Now, it's common knowledge that at national level, all the members of parliament, uh, the political parties have lists, and the political party that has the highest percentage will have a proportion of the number of seats. So the politicians that are selected um, <coughs> do not represent a constituency. And, uh, and that is problematic for, I think, our community. And also at provincial level, the same thing happens. And at local government level, 50% of the councillors are elected and the 50% are on proportional representation. Now, do you believe, and my, my feeling is that the time has come for some sort of electoral reform the Fensale-Slabit Commission sat for some time ago. They've got a report on the table. I, uh, we haven't heard about it. Uh, people in the Eastern Cape are making some waves regarding electoral reform. What are your thoughts? Hmm. Well, wonderful. Thank you very much for that. Well, I think let's talk about that. You know, as he is raising the representation system, and many academics, specifically on Newsbreak Talk, have, you know, when we put the question to them, are you satisfied with the leaders that you have elected via a party to represent your needs? Are you satisfied with them? They say the system is flawed. And your thoughts when somebody says to you, maybe the electoral system needs to be reviewed? No, no, they, I mean, you know, we've got to move with the times. So if the times require us to change, we must change. But I think at the same time, remember uh, the context and the history. How did we end up where we are? But also look at some of the more recent developments that emerged from the Constitutional Court. So on the no-confidence uh, vote issue, uh, this was a few weeks ago, the Constitutional Court said very clearly that members of Parliament there are there in Parliament to represent in the first instance, the people of South Africa, and in the second instance, to abide by the law and the constitution, and then your political party. So just keep that in mind. And I think we're still digesting what the consequences of that pronouncement from the Constitutional Court means. The second is, is remember that uh, if you take your minds back to 1993, and I'll help you with some of this a little later on, uh, we started drafting the interim constitution, which was the basis for the 27th of April 1994 elections in March 1993. We finished in November 1993. And together with the interim constitution was an electoral act, a media independent uh, agency act and so on, which laid the basis for a transition period from November to April, but also set the rules for the electoral system itself. There was no time at that time to say, let's have constituencies particularly given the South Africa that we have of group areas and the kind of divisions that we have. But the one advantage that that system also had was that we didn't have a threshold. In many of the European uh, uh, countries, for example, you must get 4% or 5% of the vote if you are to get any benefit from the proportional system. In South Africa, I don't know what the latest number is, but there was a stage when 55 or 60,000 votes 
would get an individual who's registered as a party uh, into uh, our parliament. And that gave us the diversity. So today we have about 13, 14, I think, political parties, some of them represented by one individual in our context as well. So remember the context uh, where we came from. We had a sense of urgency, no time to actually move from the apartheid era into a democratic era at the time. But at some time, it certainly come to have a national conversation on what kind of mix between a constituency system and a PR system would work at a national level. And as you correctly pointed out, we've got about 15, 20 years experience of a similar system at a local government level now. How do we use that experience to guide us and advise us in terms of going forward so that we have a better mix between the two systems? And remember, there's no perfect system. Mm. Even within a constituency system, party bosses play uh, a role. Your party local committee will decide they're going to choose you instead of him and he's going to be upset about that. And uh, so that kind of contestation will also happen at that level as mm. well. You know, Mr. Gordon, we had opened up this platform as well to the, those <coughs> on social media asking them if they'd like to raise a question that we should ask. And I found some of the questions particularly interesting. And we've got one Umesh Bika asking, is your life in danger? And that almost makes me think if we were to believe what one of your colleagues is constantly saying, MP Makuzikwaza, talking about the fact that her life is in danger. She doesn't even feel safe with state authorities providing her state security um, and and if we look at it you know there's there's often some sort of uh, what um, is labeled a buzzword a witch hunt against Praveen Gordhan from you know moves for the National Prosecuting Authority to investigate you from um, you know bugging offices in, in 2007 from of course the KPMG report which was as they ex uh, explained was, you know, in fact, incorrect, or even the integrated financial management system, which many are saying you need to be investigated by the public protector for squandering public funds. Do you think your life is in danger with all these campaigns out there to tarnish your name? No, there's, there's no doubt that, uh, and I don't want to make this a personal issue, there's num there are a number of us within the ANC that want the ANC to retain its uh, allegiance to the values and the political philosophy which the Mandela, Sisulus and Tambos installed and instilled both in us as activists and within the culture of the ANC as well, as opposed to a culture where everybody becomes greedy and uses both the ANC and the uh, governmental system to benefit uh, themselves as individuals. And that contest... Uh, then means that if, and you have this funny phenomenon in South Africa, I don't know if you've noticed it anywhere else, if he says, you are stealing, uh, you will say, but you know, look, that fellow is stealing there too. We talked about you stealing. Can you explain yourself first before you point a finger at somebody else? So the IFMS and so on, we'll, we'll talk about that in the next uh, couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, all concocted things in, in order to actually find some fault with people who have been trying to do their best to build solid institutions that will serve the youngsters that are amongst right. us. And then do, you fight, do you fight back? Do you take KPMG to court over, you know, painting this bad picture of the work that you've been doing? No, no, of course, we've got to find different ways of fighting back. And uh, my lawyers are looking at their report, and as are the lawyers of other people. Remember that as a result of what KPMG did, in collaboration with the SARS management, if you leave the Gupta story aside, You've affected the, the livelihoods, the jobs, the uh, income security of a number of senior people 
some of whom have given 30 40 years of their life to the liberation struggle as well they don't deserve this in a democracy and somebody has to pay a price for that so yesterday in a different interview i said that kpmg must give them a job because they lost their jobs as a result of the falsification uh of all of the information but there's a Do- donating oh, 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 oh. there is a lot more of the facts that need to be come uh, to, to come out as to what the, the senior guy who represented kpmg in this forensic investigation do uh i don't want to say too much right now but because i said some of these things i would lawyers at the moment right but when those facts come out kpmg will have to issue another 10 20 page statement to explain themselves so so a sorry paycheck to the point of 40 million rand is not enough then based on the lives that you've 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 messed with absolutely mm. absolutely and like i said do any one of you know whose name is attached to the 11 page statement who in kpmg international is taking responsibility and saying i've come here i've established the facts these are the things that are wrong and i am sorry south africa that in our name these things have been done in this country whether it is in relation to the audits of those companies or whether it's in relations to the to the SARS saga mm. and there's absolutely no doubt that if you connect the dots KPMG participated as many others did who still account for this by the way we won't get into the names right now um they must account for how they assisted in the state capture process because now remember ladies and gentlemen one of the things that we can be very proud of in South Africa after 1994 when the ANC took over is the way in which the ANC managed the country's finances and that is why we could proudly say even up to now or just about now that we are what we call fiscally sovereign we don't owe anybody anything we borrow money we pay it back it's like you borrowing for your house but you pay your your monthly installments we are not like many other developing countries in the world where because you're taking money from an international organization you have to now follow their instructions on how much pensions you pay how many public servants you employ what uh, expenditure you must cut that gave us the independence because we spent the money that we collected from our own tax base when you start interfering with the agency that has been providing us with the food on which we depend for social grounds for building housing for poor people and so on then you damaging our project to create great greater equality and less poverty in south africa because you damaging the prospects of collecting taxes in this country mm. well fascinating conversations here on the nature of state capture and where south africans find themselves as they battle institutions voted in to serve them actually not doing that so let's get more concerns from you at the gadwistan civic association we are coming to you live let's go to our audience member say your name My name is Gerald Burden. I'm from the Shawcross Civic and Ratepayers Association. There's two aspects that is of grave concern to me. The first one is the KPMG uh, auditing company. I feel that the <coughs> board of auditors in South Africa should investigate KPMG to find it to ascertain whether they are fit and proper to practice in South Africa. because we cannot have a company like this who manipulates accounts and issues false reports against decent human beings to continue in this country the second thing is about the guptas i'm amazed that the orcs have not charged the guptas as yet 
because with regard to the uh, with regard to the bribery allegation concerning Insa BC Jonas, the minister, the Guptas denied ever having such a meeting. But about a month ago, Duduzani Zuma, in a BBC interview, stated that he actually facilitated such a meeting. And he was part of such a meeting. So there I feel there's enough circumstantial evidence to charge the, the Guptas. Mm. Thank you very much for your question. Let's go to our next audience member. We are giving you a, a platform and an opportunity to ask some important questions as we go in conversation with the NCMP. Mr. Praveen Gordon, sir, your name? No, thank you very much. Uh, my name is uh, Busiso Nzimande. Uh, I'm, I'm the chairperson of uh, Naido Makaya Zone. Um, maybe just to start by uh, registering our thanks to, to the Civic Association for organizing such a, uh, an event, but also to move on and to say, um, as, a, as a way of comment, we want to say nobody can actually defend the behavior that has been exposed um, about the state capture, particularly from, from the Guptas, ranging from l landing a plane in Waterkloof, uh, a lavish wedding um, that supposedly was uh, sponsored by taxpayers' money from Free State. But, but we want to say uh, to comrades like uh, uh, PG, um, we, we might not be having uh, platforms to out of discipline to uh, say your resoluteness uh, in standing for principle when when the history of this country and perhaps the ANC is written uh, and I'm sure um, it will be uh, recorded there thank you very much for your comment we appreciate your time okay very quickly now yes hi there your name please hello I'm Sharta Hansraj mm -hmm. I'm also from the Karbistan Civic and I know this may be an unfair question to ask, but I need to ask it at this pl platform. Mm. I'm interested in the time frame in which authorities choose to act. Example, based on the KPMG false report, uh, your friend uh, Sean Abraham acted so expeditiously. Now I need to know, uh, by what time frame will they be able to act on the Gupta emails? We, the common people, we want to see what action is going to take place and we'd like to know within what time frames that the action would be taking place. Thank you very much. And I think we have one more audience member. Yes, sir, you're quick, very quickly, if you could give us your question or your thoughts. Good day. Sagan Naya, Karoshan Civic Association. My greetings, Minister Gordon. And I just want to thank you for the great work that you've done so far for our community and for the country as a whole. Um, what concerns me now is the state of affairs in the ANC. As a loyal member of the ANC yourself, I'm sure you reflect some of the disillusionment that we feel uh, with, with the kind of governance that we have at this point in time. And apart from being firefighters with events like minor events that are happening, not minor, events that are emerging in the media at the moment, on the long-term basis, how do we solve this malaise in the community right now, this lack of hope, this feeling that people who are accountable will not be brought to book? Uh, what happens to the sense of hope 
do we just simply lay back and solve initial situations and wait for the next one to come through? What do we as a community, how can we strategize? Mm. Thank you very much for your concerns. Well, there you go, Samir. I think in Let me just respond to the last point and then integrate the others as well, if I may. Mm, sure. I think the, the question you raise is, is raised by many people. Uh, as people like myself uh, walk around uh, in different parts of the country. But let me ask you to recall the terrible times we've been through before 1994. And never have we ever said during the 40 or 50 years before 1994 that we're giving up hope. We're giving in to the apartheid system. That the fact that people are being detained, being killed in detention, uh, that are not being allowed any democratic rights, are being subjected to racism of all kinds, means that we don't have the courage, we don't have the value system, and we don't have the principles by which we would be guided in terms of our struggle against what was universally recognized as an ugly system. We came through that period. We found the leadership in the ANC, Mr. Mandela and company, who had the maturity to say, Despite all of our differences in this country, you know, some of the younger people today get quite cynical about that. Where is this rainbow nation? Mm. But the rainbow isn't created overnight. The rainbow is part of a struggle. It's part of a process. It takes decades to actually do that. And it will take both love and conflict and uh, togetherness and contestation amongst us. But ultimately, we are all South African. This is our country, like I said earlier on. You've got to, unless you have a you know, special bank account somewhere, we are, the majority of South Africans are here to stay. So I think that this is a period where we must recognize, as I said earlier on, that there is a contest, as Mr. Nzimande was saying, between different lines of thinking, between different approaches to politics, and different approaches to money and greed, and how do you deal with those sorts of phenomena in our society. And that is why organizations like the Civic here, but organizations like you throughout the country need to wake up, need to become mobilizers of citizens just like we did pre-1994 and get them involved in these processes so that you call us, as long as I'm a member of parliament, you call me and say, account to me. If somebody here is a councillor, they must be called to say, account to me as well. What are you doing? Why aren't you doing certain things that we actually expect you to do? So I remain hopeful that ultimately, as most of you would say, and most of our religions or even non-believers say, uh, good will triumph over evil, right? But it won't triumph by us just folding our arms and sitting down. We've got to become like the gentleman who's wearing this uh, white T-shirt here, active citizens. Get involved in some kind of way. Because that itself gives you hope. The fact that you can rally 200 people together today will give you hope that 200 more people are getting involved. Mm. Go door to door like we did uh, in the periods before. And you'll find that, you know, you're going to get some cynical people, some skeptical people, some people are going to put their dogs on you, as they did to us in the old days as well. Uh, but there are many who are going to welcome you and say, let's have a chat mm. about what's going on in the country. So be hopeful, but be active. And because that is going to create a situation where we can overcome some of the challenges that we have today. And just for the record, I don't know whether Mr. Abrams is his friend. <laughs> he must tell us about that. <laughs> no, I can confirm that I've never met him. But, you know, 
on that note the i think the the question coming through and this kpmg issue has dominated conversation in the past 24 hours and many are saying with the fact that this report is now being you know confirmed to be not full is this going to mean that the hawks leave you alone right on only the hawks can answer that question <laughs> But on that note, on the fact of time factors, as I think Mr. Verdon explained, the fact that you've got so much of information, you've got so much of money being accounted for, academics providing research, you know, mathematicians citing the amount of money going down the drain. Um, why is there the sense that it can continue? Why is there the sense that this family this, that has influence of the decisions make and made at the uh, you know, top level of, of the country, why, does it al- why is it constantly allowed to flourish? Why is it not being stopped in its track? Why is it so powerful? I think we, we need to find the answer to that within one second and then spend a lot more time on the thing that follows. The one second answer is accept state capture as a fact. Accept it as a fact and understand the consequences that when, for example, the Karwastan Civic is taken over by another group of men and women who say our only job is to organize a hockey tournament, not to get the community involved, right? It's inverted commas captured and repurposed from a civic organization that gets community involvement, women involvement, getting young people trained in what civic matters mean to one that organizes one hockey tournament, which you don't even play, I presume, in this area, uh, once a year. So that, that's what you call repurposing, as that report calls it. And the second is, uh, don't expect anything to happen in this regard without there being public awareness and public pressure. Because it's the public pressure that will get people to become accountable and not give people the space in those institutions to continue with the kind of naughtiness that they've continued up to now. Mm. When you talk about public pressure, and there's been this growing uh, interest, and I think I mentioned it earlier in my intro, the kind of support or the standing ovation that you got for the work that you do to raise these kinds of issues. Um, do you, what pressure do you feel on your shoulders when you know that you've got South Africans asking you to carry their concerns for, forward at Parliament? How do you view that? As a challenge or as something that spurs you on to do your work? Yeah, no, you know, we grew up in a culture where the individual doesn't matter. Yeah. It's the organization and the team that you want to work with and play with and whose principles you share that matters at the end of the day. And both within our political organization and in government more generally and indeed in society. There are new civil society formations that are coming up, Future South Africa, for example, and so on. Uh, the active citizen movement that is creating branches in different parts of uh, the province here and elsewhere as well. All of this means that there's a whole group of South Africans in a fairly significant number. Some of them, you know, uh, old-timers like Gerald that we haven't seen for a long time, uh, but who still come to a Saturday afternoon meeting. Uh, it's, it's good to see him here. And uh, he says, I'm proudly Shellcross Civic Association, which itself has a very proud history as well with a gentleman sitting next to him. So it, it, it's, it's getting inspiration from mm. that team of people who want to create a better South Africa for the next generations of people. Mm. Just like previous generations fought on, princ- on matters of principle, Mr. Mandela could have been released much earlier from Robben Island if he agreed with the, the bribe, inverted commas at the time, mm. go and settle in Transkai, give up armed struggle and have nothing to do with the ANC leadership. He said, go to hell. I'd rather stay in jail. 
Okay? Now, in today's terms, what are the principles that should actually guide us? And so there's, I don't, it's not just me, there are any number of highly principled people who've learned from the Mandela generation, who every single day in different parts of South Africa, in different uh, uh, organizations and formations, are trying their best to make sure that we overcome this period mm. uh, in a way in which we can proudly say by February, March next year, there is indeed hope, we've overcome the worst, let's start rebuilding. Mm. Because our job is not to leave the state captured. Our job is to recapture the state, bring it back as servants of the people. You know, on that note, I want to say, the ANC themselves in that last, you know, uh, when they met, the issue was factionism within the party. They cited it themselves. The suggestion then becoming that you get those within the ANC who want to stand up for the people, want to stand up for what the liberation struggle stood for, and then you get those who are standing up to uh, another family who's telling them where to stand, right? What is the morale amongst those ANC MPs who want to do the right thing and represent the interests of the people? No, I think, I think uh, there's a lot more hope and optimism today than there ever was that uh, we'll move in the right direction. Yeah. But remember what I say, these things are not handed to you on a plate. You don't sit comfortably at home. You can afford to do that. But as you, as, as you become active with those T-shirts, uh, with that comes responsibility. And with that responsibility comes the burden of actually uh, saying, uh, how do you actually act in a, in a day-to-day -day environment? Uh, and respond to some of the challenges that we face. So I think there's a lot more optimism that we'll move in the right direction, that the uh, ANC with the right kind of values will emerge successfully after the December conference and that we can start the process of repairing the kind of damage that has been done over the last couple of years. Now, that doesn't mean that it is all predetermined. As I repeat, this is a contest. This is a struggle. You remember what we learned from the Frelimo comrades in Mozambique, our lucha continua, the struggle continues. The struggle doesn't really end. It just takes different forms at different stages. Mm. And uh, your generation must now come along with its pink and white tie and join the forces as well. You know? And I assure you it's going to continue after this break. We're going to come back and wrap up our conversation with ANC MP, Mr. Praveen Gurdhan. Sadna Awards 2017 will be hosted in Mahakeng on the 30th of September 2017 under the theme Celebrating Legends. You can now vote for your favorite artist by SMSing the word Satma followed by the name of the nominee and category to 34066. SMS costs from 1 Rand 50 and free SMSs do not apply. SMS as much as you like and stand a chance to win a car. For more information, visit our Facebook page Satma Awards, Twitter and Instagram at Satma Awards or visit our website satmaawards.co.za or call 0861-000-513. The sound of motorbikes roaring, the inspiring message of hope, love and life being spread through your community. This is Can Survive. Our message is simple. Early detection can save lives. There is life after cancer. Cancer knows no race, no gender and no age. Become part of the conversation. Remember, you are not alone and never ever be silent. Hashtag can survive. This is an SABC Foundation supported initiative. Where were you 40 years ago? Where was this country 40 years ago? A lot has changed since then. 
and many promises have been made, but how many have been kept? I remember one, a promise of lower prices. I remember that when our economy slowed down, lower prices still created 12,000 new jobs in one year. And the year we had seven fuel price increases, lower prices made things easier. I remember that over 40 years ago, a supermarket made a promise of lower prices, and they have stuck to it. Shop right. Lower prices you can trust. Always. News break. Lotus FM. Powered by SABC News. We are wrapping up our conversation. Just three minutes left. Can you believe with the NCMP, Mr. Praveen Gordhan? And I think I've just got two questions to wrap up this conversation. Having gone through this entire understanding of what state capture is and, and your thoughts with regard on on the way to continue to fight it. I think this particular question comes, and it's, it's a bit of what you touched on as before we enter that break. It comes from Santosh Pillay on, uh, on Facebook. And he asks, who do you think will win the ANC presidency in December? I couldn't resist it. What's the second question? <laughs> no, let's, let's, let's touch on that the conference going forward. No, I, I think there are a number of contestants uh, that are in, in the pool at the moment. As we go towards the end of October, early November, I'm sure they'll all cut deals amongst themselves. I myself have said publicly, uh, so I can repeat it here, that I think that Mr. Ramaphosa has the leadership ability that we require. And he has the skills, and he has the business know-how, and he understands the ANC, which he's been part of for many years, and he's a former trade unionist and a lawyer. So I think that's, a, that's the modern qualities that we require, both to lead the ANC into a more modern and renewed direction on the one hand, uh, but also to create a South Africa where our younger people can become the brightest, the most innovative, the most creative, and the most dynamic. Uh, not only on the African continent, but on the global stage as well, which is what we want for our children. And I think now as we wrap up our last question, and, and this, is, this is one of, of trying to understand your psyche, your mindset in terms of when you go about doing your job. Um, there's been various calls for the president to step down, promotions of no confidence to Ma'am Barbara Hogan herself point blank at the memorial service of Mr. Ahmed Kadrada asking president to step down. When you interact with the president, when you work with the president, what is that relationship like? Do you have the conversation, sir? I think there's just too much of allegations, too much of scrutiny. Maybe you should consider stepping down. Or do you keep a composed silence when you deal with the president? Well, it's a mixture. Uh, if, if silence is required, then silence is what you have on the one hand. On the other hand, uh, within the structures of the ANC, I've said very clearly uh, what I think about the issues that you've raised. And thirdly, uh, I must say, for somebody that I've known since 1974, uh, to be part of the way in which a number of us have been treated, uh, and not stopping the kind of maltreatment and injustices that we were exposed to, uh, leaves me with a great sense of disappointment. It's got nothing about breakdown in relationships. But I remain a very disappointed individual. On that note, Minister... Uh, but you can't leave it on that note. Oh, it's two o'clock uh, now. But, just, uh, but, but we, I, am, <laughs> I am not disappointed and very hopeful about the future of South Africa. So, ladies and gentlemen, whether you're in this hall or you're listening to us through Radio Lotus, 
become active citizens and produce a better South Africa for future generations. I think you sort of solidified that point throughout the broadcast. I didn't even need to reiterate. So thanks very much for your time, making the time to join us Thank here you. on Newsbreak Talk. We do hope that this conversation was engaging and we brought you some sort of answers. And thanks for the insight. Well, we'll have to leave our broadcast there. Thank you very much to everybody at Karvistan for hosting us and for uh, being a part of this conversation. We'll thank our executive producer, Salma Patel, our team, Hafsa Amkizi and Rachel Bhatti, and Hussein Ibrahim, Anikto, and Tansin Nepal for assisting us. We're back one to two. We'll talk to you then. From me, Tarish, hey, have an awesome day.